Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating interview as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, the Maple Leafs uh, see their six-game winning streak come to an end, the 10-game point streak come to an end, and worst of all, Jack Campbell undefeated no more as the Maple Leafs lose 4-2 to the Montreal Canadiens on trade deadline day. Tony Ferrari is going to join me tonight to break down the game, uh, but we're also going to recap the deadline for the Maple Leafs, and if we have some time, which we probably will, we'll get your thoughts on on the deadline as a whole, uh, a league-wide perspective. But let's get to what we just witnessed first. Uh, Tony, first and foremost, how are you? Not bad, not bad. A a fun 20 minutes of the deadline. That's about it, though. <laughs> that is pretty much what it was, right? Just a, a last half hour, everyone decided to make those final deals. And it's really just because we had a, such a busy weekend. We saw, I think, 12... Uh, 12 deals go down from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which I wish they just held off and just made them on Sunday night. Like, who who cares? So, but uh, is what it is. Um, let's let's get to what we witnessed tonight. Let's let's get your thoughts on the game uh, between the, the the Leafs and Canadians tonight. Obviously, Toronto losing. Um, your overall thoughts, I guess. We'll start with that. For me. I, it, like this is kind of a kind of a trap game. If if like I hate using that word, I really do hate that term, but it just seemed like everyone was kind of thinking about the future and their new teammates or new buddies coming to join them and they kind of forgot that they had a game tonight because they were just so awful in that first period. You know, they gave up two bad goals, awesome turnovers. Uh, they had just three shots in the entire period. They looked completely out of sync. And that really was the difference of tonight's game. Just a, a horrible first period, and they didn't really come out the gate. Yeah, it was a weird one. Like, I, I kind of liken it to, a, I think it was about the 15th game of the year, 16th game of the year against Calgary. It, it was just one of those games where, despite the fact that the Leafs were kind of being outplayed the, almost the entire game, it just felt like just any regular game. Like I know in baseball, we always talk about, oh, there's that that random Tuesday game in August that that doesn't really matter and no one can get hyped up for. And and that's what this game kind of felt like. I, I think everyone was focused on the additions from the deadline and in the, the night before and the, the days leading up. And I it really just looked like most of the Leafs, even Matthews, Marner, like the top guys, they even looked a little bit off sync at times. So it, to me, it was, it was just one of those games that happened and, and went by and, I mean, you can't complain too much when they're coming off a 10-game point streak and, and a six-game win streak. It, it's, it was just a game, it felt like. Well, it, it, they were kind of due to finally lose one. I mean, Jack Campbell, the guy wasn't going to stay undefeated for the rest of his life, right? And and you think about it, he's won 11 straight starts. They, they've been red, red hot as a team. And, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with a couple of people up here at TSN just pregame. And they were kind of like saying, like this, this just feels like the Leafs are gonna lose tonight. Like it just, for whatever reason, I just got a sense that it's gonna happen. And we all kind of now say, yeah, you're right. This kind of feels like a, a loss 
that's going to come up. And well, that's essentially uh, what happened tonight. Um, a couple things that uh, that you liked from today's game, though. Let's not be completely negative here. Uh, a couple of things that I liked is, is the Leafs did manage to kind of stay in the game at the end of the day. Like it, it was a game, like I said, everyone seemed off, but like they they only lost essentially three two with an empty net goal to make it four two. But the second period they kind of even things up, and and then the third period got away from them a little bit again. But overall, like it, it didn't end up being that crazy, like an out, out shot by any means, out chanced or anything. So it's one of those nights where I think you know what, it, it's a bad night and, and things happen, but. Overall, I think the Leafs staying in the game and showing that they're going to at least be competitive even on their bad nights, it's a promising sign going forward. Yeah, I think it was just kind of rather uneventful on yeah. uh, in a lot of different parts of, of tonight. And um, something that, that I wanted to ask you about today was just the fact that uh, we're not exactly sure what this lineup's going to look like a week from now once Felino gets, gets here, um, but... Based on what you've seen, I guess over the last couple of couple of games, and maybe just tonight specifically, the fact that Zach Hyman has been taken off that that top line, and, and I get it, they they you know have still produced, but you know, now after two games without Hyman on that top line, and the fact that they lost tonight's game, are you thinking ah, maybe we put him back up there and and get that that team or that line just looking super again? Yeah, I think like we said last week when I was on, taking Hyman off that line served a purpose at the moment because Nylander's out. I think once Nylander's back in lineup, Hyman can go back up to that top line where he belongs, and, and then that, that unit is solidified. And then you have Hyman in Felino to kind of play around on those that second and third line and, and really see who you want in those spots because I think mm-hmm. you're going to have Nylander and Tavares locked in on that second line, and then you have the adv- the advantage now of either putting Hyman on the th- or putting a guy on the third line like Gelchenyuk or, or keeping Gelchenyuk up and, and putting Felino on the third line. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of work this lineup and and I think there's there's some questions coming up for some of the veteran guys that that kind of played key roles early in the season but have faded off like Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons specifically yeah it's gonna be interesting to see and we'll we'll kind of go over the the least deadline as a whole in a few minutes here um, but it is gonna be interesting to see how they end up rolling out the lineup going forward on a night-to-night basis and and I think options are now kind of at the disposal of Sheldon Keefe and which is going to be uh I think is going to be a good thing for for him and for the lineup um as for tonight something else that kind of bugged me a little bit didn't think it was a good night out of the Riley Brody pairing I don't know how you felt about those two but I didn't think tonight was their best game yeah, I think honestly, when I look at things for the Maple Leafs, the two best pair or the best pairing on the on the Leafs tonight was the third pairing with with uh, yeah. Bogosian and Dermott. Even even there were times where uh, there was one play specifically in the in the second period where Justin Hull was just absolutely gassed at the end of the shift, just kind of diving all over the place, just trying to keep the puck from the front of the net. And it was one of those shifts where I'm like, oh man, like this ju- this Hall and, and Muzzin pairing is looking tired tonight, and and they looked tired the last game as well, and. And maybe that's kind of a sign of, hey, we need to ease things off and let the, this third pair play a little bit more because, I mean, you look at the results of, of the Bogosian and, and Travis Dermott pairing. They, they drove play the mo- the best tonight. Bogosian was actually the best shot differential player on the entire team, and Travis Dermott was number four. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do with these top top six defensemen because I think you really do have a third pairing that can, that can play a little bit more than 11, 12 minutes on the night. 
that way you can give the other guys a little bit of time to not necessarily rest, but make it so that Brody and Riley and, and Muzzin and Hall don't have to play 18, 20 minutes a night, ease them back to 16 and 20 and, and give that third pairing a little bit more responsibility, especially as we're kind of working towards the playoffs. You want to make sure guys are fresh. Nick Robertson got back into his first NHL game in quite some time. I think since what game three of the regular season, uh, your thoughts on his game tonight. And if he's earned himself uh, another couple of looks, as long as Neil Landers out of the lineup. Yeah. You know what? I actually really like Nick Robertson's game. There were a couple times where I noticed he was a little bit timid going into a board battle and stuff, but he was out there thinking he was out there making, making a few plays. Like I, I thought he was actually pretty good tonight. I think once Nylander gets back in, like you said, he's not going to be in the lineup or anything, but this is a nice little peak for him. Get, get some experience at the NHL level again, kind of wet your feet here and then go back down to the AHL and really start to take over because he's been kind of hit and miss since he's been back from injury. So maybe this little jolt of life at the NHL level will kind of speed things up for him internally. And then when he gets back to the AHL, it'll all completely slow back down. There wasn't a lot of talk about Robertson over the last little bit like there was earlier in the year and and how a lot of people looked at him as as a top six piece and a future piece of this team's lineup. And and I wonder if, you know, the fact that the Felino deal was made um, and it's possible, I suppose, that he could be the, the piece that gets Galchenyuk taken out of the top six. But also, if you do want to keep Felino on, on a third-line checking role, which has been discussed, I guess, by some pundits, uh, myself included. I know you're not big on it. We'll get to it in a moment. But um, a guy like Nick Robertson, too, I wonder if the thought process of getting him into the lineup and getting some games played for him is if Galchenyuk ends up dropping off, the fact that they didn't go out and get themselves a big-time scoring winger uh Nick Robertson could actually kind of be that replacement guy who could get an opportunity if Galchenyuk kind of falters. Yeah, I think the Leafs looked at things, and and Dubas said said as much in, in his press conference today. And the emergence of Galchenyuk has afforded them opportunities to do a, a few other yeah. things and maybe target a guy like Nick Felino. And, and I really respect Dubas for coming out and saying that because Alex Galchenyuk, to his credit, has been really good since he's been in the lineup with the Leafs. I, I do like him better on that second line with with Nylander and Tavares. I think he's more effective there. I think sometimes Matthews and Marner get a, get a little too much of. Uh, their own kind of two two man game going, and, and Galchenyuk feels a little bit left out, and and that's where I think a guy like Hyman really excels in that line because of how Hyman plays. Um, but I think Galchenyuk's a quality player. I think putting him in the top nine is is a good idea right now. I think he could be a really good scorer. And man, I, I really want them to get these power play units set up and and kind of figured out because I think Alex Galchenyuk could be kind of maybe somewhat of a really useful piece on that second second unit with with his shot and stuff, because when you're putting him out there with Matthews and Marner, you're not letting him get out on that flank and, and, and let his one timer go. So I think you need to get him on the second unit, kind of work things around and get him the puck on the power play and just get him going a little bit that way as well. The power play also, you know, struggling. Another kind of reason why they lost tonight's game, they allowed a power play goal and then went 0 for 2 on their opportunities. And I mean, that's somewhat the difference of the game, right? This was a 3 2. Hockey game until the empty netter and and that power play goal kind of uh, is is the difference maker. The power play 
is really becoming an issue. And and luckily, you got guys like Matthews just scoring at will at five on five, and they've been able to win as many games as they could. But coming down the stretch, and once they get into the into the playoffs, that power play's got to turn around, man. I I do not like the way that things are shaking right now. Um, and once they start playing against really good teams, you're going to need that little bit of extra offense uh, that they're just not getting right now. Yeah, I think they need to kind of get guys in a little bit more defined roles. They're playing really freewheeling, and normally I'm a guy that loves that, but I think on the power play right now, they need to simplify things a little bit. And in getting a guy like uh, like Wayne Simmons out there at the net front and, and parking him there, telling him, don't worry about anything else. This is your spot. This is where you're playing. Like You can go behind the net and dig a little bit, but we don't want you wandering. And and that's what I'm starting to notice with, with guys like Joe Thornton when he's at the net front. He starts wandering off to the side, and, and then he doesn't serve the purpose that he's there for. So I think, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of figure it out because man today was a, a rough night on the power play it was a rough it's been a rough go on the power play and they really need to get that figured out because like i said i it's going to be tough to win in the playoffs if your power play is not going and as much as we all kind of joke about the fact that they don't get power plays because the refereeing completely changes but it's something that they, that's definitely a concern and, and the fact that they're so good at five on five is such a luxury but Imagine how good this team would be with a even a league average power play at this point. Uh, it's so much better. Like this is a way better team, and you know I I think it'll come right. Like it's it's going to regress back to closer to where they were at the beginning of the season. Um, clearly, when they were operating at you know a, a above thirty percent rate earlier, you figured that that was a little hot and that it would come back down. I don't think we thought that it would regress this far down, and and obviously now it's it's eventually set to go the other way. You would hope um, they just got so much talent. There's there's no way that it can't happen. Um, all right, let's. Uh, Let's it, it, since we have so much to get to, I want to get to the Leafs deadline stuff because that's the real fun stuff that I want to talk about today. Um, obviously, with the deadline just happening uh, a few hours ago as of the recording of this podcast, um, seven hours ago now, I suppose. So, want to get to the deadline, what the Leafs did, what some other teams did, your overall winners and losers. Uh, so, we're going to actually skip the three stars mainly because the Leafs didn't win and. They're not going to fill the three stars, so let's just not talk about it and move on to the fun stuff and talk about uh, the trade deadline. So we'll do that when we return here on the Lockdown Lease podcast. But first, here's a word from Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on on their how'd you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked On These podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of this program. I am joined by Tony Ferrari of Dauber Prospects. Tony, the deadline was extremely busy for the Maple Leafs. Extremely busy. They made uh, a few different trades, a few different deals, and really bolstered the lineup. And to me, 
they really checked all the boxes here at the deadline. They got themselves a versatile forward who can play in all situations, up and down your lineup. He can score. He's got leadership. He's rugged. They found a depth of defensive-minded defenseman in Ben Hutton. They got another capable starting goalie behind Campbell in David Riddick. And uh, don't sleep on this Nash trade either that happened on Friday. Uh, I think he'll have some on-ice value as well. Uh, But overall, I thought a terrific, terrific deadline week for Kyle Dubas. Uh, What were your thoughts on uh, on his moves and what this means for the Leafs? I think it was a really good deadline for Kyle Dubas. Like it's a B plus deadline. Um, I I think the only reason I hesitate to give him an A is is just because if you got like a Matthias at home or something like that, that's, that's an A deadline. (laughs) It's not a, it's, it's not a realistic thing that you can expect, but I mean, a a B plus is really good. I I think Dubas, like you said, addressing the goaltending, it was really, really kind of telling to me. It kind of lets you know that Freddie's probably out a little bit and, and we'll probably talk about that in a couple minutes, but uh, finding Nick Felino in, in yes, there, there was an expensive price. And I, I even tweeted that out when I saw the, the price of the first round pick plus a fourth and a fourth going to San Jose to help uh, kind of shenagle the, the cap shenanigans there and, and fit him in under the cap for just 1.325, I think. And it, it's, it's a really good fit. And I, I think at the end of the day, that's what you got to look for. And I think something I kind of realized as I'm kind of going through the day today is that trading future assets when, when you're a team that's going to be competing, when you're a team that's expected to be a contender, and that's what the Leafs are this year. They're expecting to be a contender. They're consistently yep. in the top five of the league. That's what they're. That's what they are this year. So you look at Tampa Bay last year. You look at some of the other teams in the past, the Chicago's, the LA's. Trading first-round picks is kind of par for the course. That's what you got to do. Tampa did it again this year, so you got to do it. And, and yes, we look at the Hall deal and, and how little Boston paid for that, but we also have to realize – that's not a, a typical situation. That's a very atypical situation with uh, trade protections that are kind of playing a role in that as well. And, and, and it really limits what Buffalo could get. Do I think Buffalo should have waited from midnight and, and at least try to wait till the deadline to see if you can possibly get even another fourth round pick or something? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but it, it was a weird trade. It was a weird situation. So it, it's hard to compare, but I mean, Nick Foligno, the fit on the Leafs is going to be really, really good. As you mentioned, he he brings that defensive presence. He brings that grit, that that physicality that, that the Leafs, quite frankly, have lost to in the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, he's it, he's going he's gonna to be a mean dude to play against. The like you recall last year playing against yep. him the, against the Blue Jackets, like he's a tough guy to he's a tough cookie like that. You that is somebody you don't want to see you go over the boards and you're like, oh, I got to go up against this guy again. Like, you know, you're in for a shift when you're going up against Felino, and he's going to be able to wear down um, the opposition. And, and I think that is something that the Maple Leafs were kind of missing. And, and that's something that he can add. The question is, and, and I think this is somewhat of a, a blessing of his versatility is like, where is this guy going to play in the lineup? I have been a proponent. I've talked about it um, already on the show, but I've been a proponent to to kind of take a peek and see what he can do as the third line center for this team, um, flanked by uh, Ilya Mikheyev and Wayne Simmons, and kind of see what that looks like. Because I think a guy like him, who is so defensive minded, he's played this this center ice position before. He can take faceoffs. He's responsible, and he'll do whatever he can to win. And the way that Galchenyuk and Hyman 
have been success stories in the top six. I don't necessarily want to change that. And for that reason, that's kind of why I think Felino. you bring him in, you, you put him on the third line, and now you've got three full lines that can compete. And you think about the team that's probably their biggest uh, their biggest bet to challenge them in the Canadian division, at least, is in the Winnipeg Jets. They've got three full lines. They're deep down the middle, and now the Leafs can match that if they put a guy like Felino down the middle on the third line as well. Yeah, this Felino on the center role keeps getting brought up, and the more it gets brought up, the more I'm willing to try it because it, it seems like something that, like you said, it, it allows you to keep Gelchenik in the top six and in playing on that second line where he seems to excel. Like that's where he seems to fit best, I think. And, and it allows you to put Hyman on that top line and make it maybe the best line in hockey at times. Like the, the three of those guys work together at an unbelievably high rate. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what that line can do in the playoffs because of the added physicality of Matthews, the the fact that Mitch Marner isn't getting pushed around this year, and then Zach Hyman just being Zach Hyman and just winning every battle so that that's the kind of line that wins in the playoffs and like you said i i, I don't know if i love felino down the middle to be completely honest but try him there if he can work out down the middle and, and you have guys like mikhaev and, and simmons on on his line as well i think that line could be really really annoying to play against that, that'd yes. be a line that i i don't think anyone wants to necessarily put their guys out against in felino like you said he's such a versatile player i think he can do just about anything. I worry a little bit about his mobility kind of playing the center position. And, and that's my one hesitation there, but he has the defensive chops. He, he's able to kind of get in into battles. He's able to win battles. I, I think he does a really good job at, at giving you the ability to play Zach Hyman up in the top six and, and not in having another guy that can do a lot of what Zach Hyman does, maybe not to the same exact level. And maybe he's not putting up the offensive numbers that Zach Hyman's currently doing, but <laughs> he, he's the same style of player. And he, he gives you that versatility down the lineup and, I think he's going to be on the third line. I think he might get a shot on the second line at wing if they, they opt to put him there. But I think he's he's a difference maker for that bottom six, and he really transforms what that bottom six can look like going forward. Yeah, we'll see what it, what what ends up happening there. And it's funny, keep saying that he he does a lot of Hyman type things. And I heard uh, Mike Johnson today on on Trade Center came out and he's like, yeah, Nick Felino's like a Hyman uh, Hyman light, and it's like Hyman light. He's gotten to the point now where you're comparing former 30 goal scorers, captains in the league, uh, top six players, and you're calling him a Hyman light. And, and I think that just speaks actually to kind of how terrific Zach Hyman has actually turned out to be. Um, but yeah, like I think that you look at what Felino can bring to this team and that versatility definitely is uh, the reason why I think he was the target over a guy like Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall can do one thing and one thing only, only right? Like, he can play the wing position, and he's going to produ- produce offense. Maybe, because he hasn't done that mm-hmm. this year. Uh, but at least Felino, he brings more to the table, and I think that was worth more than Taylor Hall. There was a lot of people out there that were so upset that that Felino, even before the trade came down, there were suggestions that Felino was going to garner more of a, of a return than Taylor Hall. And, and there was a lot of people not too pleased with that and thought that it was ludicrous, but it made total sense to me, to be quite honest with you. I look at the intangibles that he brings on and off the ice and he just he has the dna of a playoff guy like he is the the carbon copy of what you want in a playoff series and to have him in the fold i think he's going to be huge for toronto 
Yeah, I'm I'm an analytics guy. I'm a guy that loves to look at the numbers and I, I love to quantify the things I'm seeing on tape and, and use it as confirmation <laughs> there. But with with Felino, there's something that I can't quite quantify. And it's just the fact that every time I watch this guy play, he, he doesn't score a lot of goals anymore in his career. He's not that 30 goal scorer anymore, but he scores big goals still. He You've seen in last year's playoffs, he seemed to be the guy either setting up a goal or scoring a goal that would kind of put the nail in the coffin and I, I think he's a, and you look back at that that playoff series against Tampa Bay a couple of years ago where they upset them. I, I think Felino's really kind of that guy that can put you over the top in the playoffs. And man, th- there's just something like I said. I, I look when you look at those trades initially, you're like, man, like Taylor Hall should have gotten more than Felino. But like I said, there's extenuating circumstances, especially in the Taylor Hall situation where there's trade protections. Um, he he only wanted to go to a couple couple spots, and like you said the Leafs needed another Hyman. They didn't need another Nylander. And I I think that's the big thing with, with this team is we have guys that can score. We have Austin Matthews. We have John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner. We, we didn't have a second Hyman. We, we had guys that were kind of like that who would bang and stuff. Mikheyev to an extent, like you you look at the, what what Wayne Simmons has brought and, and there's some of that as well. But I think you needed a guy that was a little bit higher caliber, a little bit more of that, He's not only a guy that brings physicality, but he brings functional physicality with a defensive presence. And I think that's a really important piece to add. And I think Dubas said it best today is the emergence of Alex Galchenyuk, knowing that they have Nick Robertson in the fold. And if you need a top six scoring guy, you can throw him in there allowed them to bring in a guy that, that like Dubas said, is probably the more important piece in the long run. Yeah. And and, Hey, if Galchenyuk falters down the stretch, like we've always kind of, not predicted, but we fear that, okay, what happens if they don't make a move at the deadline and they roll with Galchenyuk and all of a sudden he turns into a pumpkin again uh, like he has, you know, the last five years in the NHL? You know, what do you do at that point? Well, now you get a guy like Nick Felino who can take that position if need be in the top six. If if it's not a guy like Robertson, of course, as well. But Felino, I guess, would be your, your top option. So it's that type of versatility that is definitely going to be big for Toronto and something that certainly they enjoyed and something that they wanted to bring into the fold. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's move on and talk about a couple of these other deals because, like I said, Dubas was busy today um, and, and over the last, well, 72 hours or so. Um, let's get to the the trade that he also made yesterday afterward, um, after the Felino deal. A couple hours later, uh, he brings in Big Save Dave. Yes, Dave Riddick coming over from the Calgary Flames to... Give some goaltending depth to a position that has great uncertainty right now. Um, but I think that this move, and and I've talked about it, so I want to get your thoughts, kind of signals um, what this could mean for Freddie Anderson's health going forward. Yeah, I think you look at the the cap implications here and, and what kind of leads you to believe that Freddie's probably going to be out until just about the playoffs. I, I don't think it's something that you can really get around at this point. I mean... If you really want to activate Freddie, I guess you can basically send down every extra you have and, and put them on waivers and send them through. And hopefully you don't lose anybody important. But 
it's going to be one of those situations where I think the rest of the season, we're going to see a lot of Jack Campbell and a lot of big save Dave. And I mean, if big save Dave can just play in Toronto and just pretend he's playing the Leafs, uh, (laughs) he's going to be really good because he seems to love playing in Toronto. So it's going to be a fun situation. I think big save Dave's a a quality option to get. And I think the the big thing about the, the other ads that he made is he didn't pay a whole lot for them. He didn't have to right. dip into that prospect pool that we talked about earlier. Um, he dipped into his his draft picks, and, and there's a lot being made of, oh, there, there's only six draft picks over the next two years. Well, you look at the team right now, and some of the some of the guys like Matthews, Marner, uh, Nick Robertson, mm-hmm. even, even Travis Dermott, you're looking at other teams are, are trading guys today that are being considered prospects of the same age or older. So it's going to be, you don't have to worry about your prospect pool. They they also have a top 10 prospect pool. And the other thing that I, I kind of harped on with the draft picks today, and people were shocked that I was taking this position because I'm a draft guy, because I'm a prospect guy. I, I was, is, to be honest with you, because I, I saw your tweet and I was going to bring it up and ask you, because like if you take a look at what the Leafs dealt away today, I'm quickly just going to pull up and see how many draft picks they have left. But it doesn't seem like they have really anything left over the span of the next two drafts. Uh, just take a look. They have their second overall pick. They have their their second rounder and their fifth rounder still from this year. Next year, they still have their one and their two. But a lot of their mid-round picks and their first rounder this year, they've got a couple of conditional six that uh, are probably going to end up out the door as well. So the Maple Leafs won't be very busy when it comes to uh, scouting and drafting over the next couple of years. But that doesn't scare you away and you being a draft guy that kind of surprised me a little well i think you, you look at the the process of, of being a competitive team and eventually you're going to have to start dealing from your assets and, and i think especially this year I, i've talked about it a bunch of times on the podcast and stuff this isn't the strongest draft i think the fact that the leafs kept their second rounder is really important because they're a really smart drafting team. They've got Nick Robertson in the second round, and I'm going to be having something come out pretty soon that kind of details some other options that could fall to the second round that are worth first-round picks. So it's going to be an interesting kind of draft for the Leafs because they do have such a limited amount of picks, but they had 27 picks in the last three years, 12 picks alone last year. I think with the the talent of the prospect pool, like you're looking at some of the guys they de- drafted deep in last year's draft and VT Mietin and uh, Dmitry Ovchinikov, these guys have taken massive steps this year. They took the steps that the Leafs were kind of praying that they were t- going to take when they drafted them late in the, the draft because these were guys that a, a lot of public draft analysts were like, man, if they pop off, they could be really high-end talents. And I'll be honest, both of those two guys were both in my top 100 last year, and they both got drafted outside the top 150, <laughs> So, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it's kind of one of those situations where the Leafs are really good at identifying good swings to take late in the draft. So if they end up with a second and a fifth and a sixth, they might find an NHL player in those three picks because they're a really good drafting team. Um, I'm not worried about losing draft capital because they also have a top 10 prospect pool in the NHL. So it's one of those situations where I'm more than willing to trade draft capital. If if you're going to be able to kind of put yourself over the top with a guy like Nick Foligno. And I mean, Riley Nash is a nice addition and and there's Dave Riddich as well. So it's, a lot of nice little pieces coming together for this team right now. Let's quickly chat about Riley Nash. I spoke about him on Friday, but, uh, you know, he comes over, and, and this was kind of a, an LTIR deal. I think the, the biggest benefit that the Leafs got with this trade is the added cap space, which was fantastic, and allowed them to go out and make a couple other moves uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, but 
I also have like a sneaky suspicion that this guy is going to play a role for this team in the playoffs. Uh, I think that he is somebody who could definitely play a solid shutdown fourth line role and also get some penalty killing time and actually play some games here for Toronto. Um, do you like the Riley Nash signing and do you think this is a little bit more than just a, a seventh round pick? Yeah, I do. I think this is a good a good addition because he's a veteran center. He's been in the playoffs before. He has some experience. He he kind of knows what his role is at this point in his career as well. And three, I, th- I think three straight years eliminating the Toronto Maple Leafs from the playoffs. Let's let's also yep. make sure we say that. And he cannot do that this year. Hopefully, he does the opposite and helps them go through the first round. Exactly. And and that's just it, right? Like you get a guy that's been there before you get a guy that's done, done it. And you get a guy that you're going to be able to go, you know what, if, if Thornton's really starting to falter at the end of the season, you can put him in a fourth line center and start to bolster that fourth line. You have another option. I think that's really important. Um, the Leafs traded away Barabanov in, in a kind of a deal that doesn't really move the needle a whole lot in, in, in general speaking because of the guys they brought in. And I think Riley Nash is a, is a factor in going into the playoffs. I think he could be a valuable piece that is at least contributing in the bottom six. Well, and you also got to think about guys like, like Thornton and Spezza and Simmons. And as they, you know, we get to the end of the road here, the end of the season, there's a lot of miles on those legs. And this was a condensed year and a lot of hockey played and not a lot of time. And you got to think that uh, these these guys should probably be spelled uh, a night or two down the stretch and, and even into the playoffs even um, if they start making a run. And, and you think about a, a guy like Riley Nash having him ready to slot in wherever you need uh, will definitely help this team uh, going forward as well. So, you know, just the fact that he's insurance and, and solid depth, and that's kind of the moves that that a lot of teams make here at the deadline. Yeah, there are a couple times where you see these flashy moves like Taylor Hall and Nick Felino get dealt, but a majority of the deadline day deals happen to be tinkers, and you add a, a little bit of a little depth here, a little depth there. Another move that the Maple Leafs made today, and the final one uh, that they made was adding Ben Hutton, uh, a depth defenseman. Your thoughts on that move? Well, he's a guy that I think is, like you said, a depth defenseman. He's a guy that if you bring him in, you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting a decent defensive presence. You're not getting a guy that's necessarily going to be able to play up in the lineup. Don't you try to play him in the top four, but if (laughs) if he's playing on the third line, he can be a perfectly capable guy there. Um, I I think the, the real thing that endeared me to Ben Hutton was the fact that a few years ago at uh, Vancouver Canucks uh, <laughs> season ticket holder event, he ended up singing Barbie girl, open up his shirt, dancing around. Like just the fact that they're bringing another good personality into the room, I think is a really good thing. And and, and that was made a, a point on, on the, the TSN trade center today is, is they're bringing in good personalities. They're bringing yeah. in people that are going to mesh with the current group and, and Dubas touched on that today as well. Like he wants to make sure that this group that's been the most, uh, tight knit, fun loving. Like the, these guys love playing together, and, and you want to make sure you're bringing other guys that are going to be be just like that. And I think Nick Felino coming in, he's going to be a, a firecracker in the room. He's going to be a guy that's going to be able to be a leader. And in and, and a guy like Ben Hutton, hey, he he's just seems like a fun loving guy, and he he seems like <laughs> the guy that's not going to get up or down depending on if he's in the lineup. He knows his role, and he's going to be able to play it to to a capable level. So I, I think it's a good depth addition. 
I personally love Ben Hutton. Um, I have a pair of game-used gloves and a stick of Mr. Ben Hutton's. Um, I, I Honestly, like he's just a, a guy who, when he was first on scene in Vancouver, I thought he was going to be a really good player. Um, I think he was, what, 21 years old, maybe 22, broke into the lineup, played some top four minutes, looked pretty good uh, alongside uh, uh, Chris Tanev. And then uh, yeah, he, you know, just kind of floundered out a little bit and found his way in uh, over to California over the last couple of seasons. But you bring up that that Barbie girl song that he did, the song and dance. And I remember when he did that. Like, I re- strictly recall seeing that video circulate, like, the night that happened. And it, it, that's just him. Like, I, one of my favorite memes of all time. And I, I tried to find it, and I couldn't, but I wanted to use it uh, after I saw the deal happen. But one of the favorite memes of all time is Ben Hutton, and he's going down an escalator, and then I guess he notices that like he's on camera, looks up, the biggest smile on his face, and just starts like waving, a big, massive wave, like he's a five-year-old kid waving or, waving to his parents as he leaves on the first day of school off, off the school bus. Like, it's just one of the, the funniest things, and it's just like so like adorable, I guess is, is a word I want to use there. Um, but it just goes to show about, you're right, this is a guy who likes to have fun. This is a guy who's a, who's a happy dude, high character, and character is something that the Maple Leafs really do value and you could tell all of these moves were for high character people Nick Felino, you can't get anyone to say anything bad about this dude Dave Riddick another high character fella that they're bringing in just spoke about Hutton and then Riley Nash another guy who's made a couple of trips to the playoffs high character guy you you factor that in with the moves that they made all year long bringing in Wayne Simmons uh, Zach Bogosian uh, Joe Thornton last year they brought in uh, Jack Campbell you know Jake Muzzin was brought in a couple of years back by Kyle Dubas it truly is something that this team believes needs to be there to set a culture for this team, set a culture for this young lineup that is still growing in Matthews and Marner and Nylander. And again, today, they just went and bolstered the character inside that locker room. Yeah, I completely agree. Getting the high character guys was clearly important on the list. I think you you look at the players they brought in, they brought, they brought in guys for the playoffs. And I think that's one of the things that really stood out to me about the Felino deal as much as people are going to complain that maybe he doesn't score more than f- even five goals in the, in the next little bit that he's going to be on the team in the regular season. But this is a guy that's meant for the playoffs. This was a deal meant for the playoffs. It, it wasn't about winning a couple extra games going into the playoffs. I think the Leafs are pretty safe. They, they kind of know what they are and where they're going to be at the, the end of the season. So getting a guy to put them over the top for when they have to play those tough seven game series, when, when things get tight at the end of a game and you need someone out there defending a lead, I think Felino's the guy that they brought in for that. And and then guys like, like you said, Riley Nash, Ben Hutton, Dave Riddick, they're, they're all really good additions to this roster in terms of, hey, we, we're now secure if something happens in terms of an injury, kind of. And that's that's also something that was brought up today in the presser by Dubas. He said, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where we get bit by injuries later down the road. We wanted to add that depth at all spots in the lineup and and that's exactly what they've done so even if they do get a couple injuries into the top six or a couple injuries in your bottom six or an injury on defense an injury to one of your goaltenders they have guys waiting that can step up into a role and 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 play right and and feel comfortable about them 
playing for your team without feeling like they're going to be a liability out there, which is definitely, as a, as a Leafs fan and someone who covers the team, I feel good about it. I feel really good about the Maple Leafs, the additions that they made uh, today and, and over the course of the last 72 hours, even if you want to bring it back to, to the fleecing that they made, getting uh, getting Galchenyuk for absolutely nothing as well. Um, yep. I think that Dubas has done a fantastic job building a team that I believe is a legitimate contender for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it was really important to add these pieces. And like you said, they, I think Craig Button said it best. They're not only a contender, they're a legit contender. Like it, This is a real deal team this year. And I mean, the Leafs, Leafs fans haven't had that very often in the past, especially in the, not the last couple decades, basically. So no. it's going to be really nice to see. Uh, you gave them a B plus. Was that the grade that, that you gave them? Yeah, I think I'd give them a B plus. Like I said, I, I, I always hesitate to give any team an A unless they really like <laughs> bring in that Matthias echo and like brought in a guy that just completely changes the face of this team. And I think Nick Felino is as close to that as possible. Um, I could even give them an A minus because I love the fact that they didn't have to touch the prospect pool. So, you know, what? I'll give them an A minus to be extra positive because I do love every move they made. <laughs> I love it. All right. I love it. I, I gave them an A as I, I, I mean, the only thing that kept them from an A plus is, is something similar. I was, Hoping for a little bit more of an upgrade um, than a guy like like Ben Hutton. Like as much as I just shared how much I love the human of Ben Hutton, I felt maybe somebody like a, a Jamie Alexiak would have been just a perfect player to add to yep. this Maple Leafs roster. Um, maybe even a Jordy Ben who has versatility, who could play both sides of the ice. Uh, but outside of of that want, I suppose that would have been just like the cherry on top of what they already did. I'm happy with the moves that were made. So I I gave them an A, not quite the A plus, but I think an A uh, from me is, is warranted and an A minus is still a pretty darn good grade out of uh, Tony Ferrari there. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really interesting deadline because there, uh, it almost feels like there are some pretty clear winners and losers this year. Yes, there is. And uh, speaking of winners and losers, Tony, you and I will dissect the trade deadline as a whole. We'll take a look at what happened in the Canadian division and also take a look at what happened in America within the rest of the divisions. I know we typically, you know, up here in in Toronto and, and most people in the North at this point are just focusing on what's going on in Canada with these seven teams, but a lot of action happened down below the border. And uh, so we'll take a a full league view at the trade deadline and, and talk about our winners and losers. And we'll do that tomorrow. But uh, all right, that will do it for us today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs and follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. Uh, Tony, what you got? Uh, anything cooking that you're working on that's going to be released uh, that you want to tell the good folks about? Uh, I don't got a whole lot coming out right now. I am working on one piece that's kind of going to look, it's going to be relevant for the least because it's it's going to be looking at a few prospects that are, are high on some sub rankings, including my own, that could fall to the second round for whatever reason, whether it be they're small or they're in a league that isn't scouted all that much. So it, it's a interesting piece to see who the next Nick's, Nick Robertson could be for the least and, and any other team that doesn't have a first round pick. But other than that, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. <laughs> 
I'm interested in that because the Leafs no longer have a first-rounder, so they're going to have to uh, get themselves a steal with a second, which they did well last year, right? Getting uh, getting Topi, Niemela, and Roni Hirvonen, who were two decent yeah. prospects in the second round. Hopefully they can replicate that again uh, this offseason. All right, uh, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. The Leafs hosting the Flames tonight, actually. And uh, Big Save Dave could play against his former team, which will be very, very interesting. Real quick, how do you think that would play out? Did you see that, I, that apparently Riddick is actually hitching a flight with Calgary, his former teammates, to Toronto as they play here tomorrow night? tonight yeah I, I saw that it's just to avoid some of the covet issues and stuff I know, and it's having just the quarantine funny. and stuff so i think it's hilarious because all i picture is big save dave sitting in the back just mean mugging the rest of his te- former teammates now and yeah i mean I, I think it'd be hilarious to just watch him play tomorrow and i, I think you got to give jack the night off so why not just give it to big save dave let him let him get that instant gratification of, of revenge on the team that traded him that's right, and hopefully the Maple Leafs can get back into the win column after losing uh, 4-2 to against the Montreal Canadiens. All right, uh, so yeah, I'll be back to recap that game for you guys tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.